despair is very curious. And so as we're sort of fleeing the bear, George, at one point, we're in the river, and he's like, we have to stop. And I'm like, stop? That's, that's insane. Like, I don't want to stop. He's like, oh, we have to stop. We have to hold our ground. We have to look really big. And so we're standing in the middle of the river, and, you know, George is 6'2", I'm 6'1". We're both standing there. we got our arms up. We're yelling at the bear. And uh, the next thing I know, we, we moved the rest of the way across the river, and we're standing kind of behind this, this snag that's, that's falling down into the river. And uh, we don't have the shotgun. And I look over at George, and he's got his pepper spray out. And I'm thinking, really? We're actually this is we're this is this is what it's come to. We're like actually at this point where we're gonna like spray this bear. Welcome to the Fly Fishing ninety seven podcast, featuring interviews with passionate people within the fly fishing industry. We focus on guides, conservation, resort managers, gear, and talented fly tires bringing usable information to fly fishers. The Fly Fishing ninety seven podcast is brought to you by the Fly Crate. Theflycrate.com is your source for all things fly fishing. The Fly Crate offers a monthly fly club. We select patterns every month for your home waters. With membership, you'll receive flies created to match the hatch in your area, along with the Fly Crate's guide magazine, the convenience of having flies delivered right to your door, some sweet stickers. Discover new patterns and start stocking your fly boxes now. Theflycrate.com Here's your host, Mark Hopley. Welcome to this edition of the Fly Fishing 97 podcast on the program, the guys from Stone Reels out of Vermont. We've got Kurt Budlegger and George Rogers. Guys, thanks so much for taking the time tonight. I appreciate it. Absolutely, Mark. Thanks for having us. So I'd like to start with you, George, if you don't mind. Um, I'm just kind of curious. We'll talk all about your reels in just a second. I just kind of like to lay a little groundwork to, uh, to start with. Maybe tell us how you got into fly fishing uh, to begin with. Yeah, you know, it's pretty simple. My father, uh, when I was eight years old, he dug a huge pond in the field next to our house, and everybody thought he was crazy, and he had ruined his farmland, and it was the best thing that ever happened to me because he stocked it with brook trout, and uh, he made me a Fenwick, uh, you know, five-weight, short little kids rod fiberglass rod and uh so that that's where i learned that was a fantastic place to grow up well that sounds pretty pretty nice to have a pond in your backyard with some brookies i bet absolutely so uh yeah he uh he, he dug that and uh the neighbors thought he was crazy and uh it was the best thing that you know as far as uh i'm concerned that he ever did because they learned how to fly fish they learned how to play hockey on the pond uh, there were days, uh, when the power went out, uh, at school and we went down there and we had to, uh, wash our hair in the pond before we went to school. So all in all, it was a good deal. What about yourself, Kurt? Maybe tell the listeners how you got into fly fishing, how you came to it. Fly fishing was for me, like growing up, um, I grew up in New York as well as, you know, just like George, uh, but probably a couple hours south of him. And uh, I was, you know, I did a lot of spin fishing and stuff like that. And fly fishing always seemed like kind of a, I don't know, it was like, it was it was that thing that like the really elite folks did or whatever. And, uh, you know, fast forward my mid-20s, uh, I was working uh, at a camp and uh, we had a bunch of fly rods and we had a nice pond on the premises. And I, you know, I have to say it, you know, it's kind of embarrassing to admit, but like, you know, the movie 
a river run through it was kind of hot at that point. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to finally learn how to do this. And uh, we had some casting videos and some rods. And uh, so in my downtime while I was working at this camp that one summer, I taught myself to cast and quite literally, you know, hooked my first trout pond that was right there at camp. And, you know, that was it. I was totally hooked, man. Right on. So now I'm curious. Let's get down to kind of how your business started, if you don't mind. So you guys come together to form this company. Maybe I'll throw this back to you, George. Tell our listeners how Stone Reels came to be. Well, it goes back a long ways because Kurt and I have known each other forever. I mean, when he said, you know, the movie, I was thinking maybe Jaws. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I guess. I mean, Jaws was the movie for me. But uh, that's all right. You know, Brad Pitt saved Kurt's life. Uh, that's, uh, that's cool. <laughs> no, but we, man, listen, we, we worked at the summer camp and, uh, together, and that's where we met. And so we've known each other for years. So, you know, when you say, when did we start? We've been fishing together a long time. Uh, we, our families are great friends. Kurt came up and... Uh, traveled in Alaska when, when we were living up there for, for a number of years. So I guess it, it boils down to, I called up Kurt one day and I said, man, I've always I had this idea. And, uh, he said, that sounds like a great idea. Let's give it a shot. And, uh, I figured of all the people I know, he'd say, let's go for it. Even though, uh, you know what, it's, uh, it's, a uh, difficult business it's a competitive business but uh hey what the heck what business isn't difficult and competitive so kurt was all in and uh you know that that's how it started so i would say we started working on this seriously probably more than uh, a year ago year and a half ago okay so maybe you guys can speak to kind of the process of you know kurt i'll throw this over to you kind of start it from the beginning where okay so you got this idea you wanted build some reels where do you start like how does that process even begin well i mean you know neither george nor i are are, you know engineers or designers but we've been around fly fishing for a long time and so you know we've used a number of of reels that you know some of which have, have been awesome some of which you know have not been great so fortunately uh George's brother is uh, is an engineer and a designer, and so you know we've we've been able to sort of spitball some stuff off off of him and and get some you know some various uh, iterations of, of real designs and stuff. And so it's been a bit of a process. And you know we don't have you know we're not you know manufacturers. So uh, right now our reels are being like most reels actually are being manufactured overseas. We do have plans for a couple of designs that we're going to probably be bringing back to a manufacturer here in Vermont. But yeah, you know, it's it's um, it's not a straightforward process, and we've been kind of picking our way through it. But I think we have a solid design, and we're you know we're 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 going for it. George, maybe you can tell us about this design that you guys have have come up with. Uh kind of the the backbone of the company if you will and i assume this is this out of bar stock aluminum absolutely so it's fully machined and right now you know i'll call it stone 1.0 our first reel that we've come out with is a reel that's a large arbor reel fully machined disc drag everything you would expect uh you know 
and uh, what we've done is create a reel that was almost, you know, it was very, very good. We've kind of put a pause on our manufacturing because we have a pretty low inventory right now, and we figure we want to take advantage of this and upgrade it a little bit more. One of the things that uh, we did that I think was a really good move, uh, and it's a good move because we we reached out to some guys who had a lot of experience. So we've got about five brand ambassadors on board who have given us, really put the reel through it, the, uh, the ringer, tested it, and given us some feedback. So, you know, th- these guys have been super helpful. Uh, guys from Dream Drift Media, we got Sean Platt, Matt DeLorenzo from The Hungry Trout, uh, and they guide out of uh, The Hungry Trout Resort in the Adirondacks just outside of Lake Placid. We've got Nick Del Vecchio looking at our reels. We've got uh, Grant Hill uh, over your way who is uh, looking at our reels. And they, and they said, hey, guys, great reel, love the reel but needs more capacity. Mm-hmm. A couple of the guys on a couple of occasions when it's really cold, they said, you know, your, your, your bearing is failing sometimes. So we're putting a better bearing in. We're in, increasing the line capacity. We're tweaking the reel a couple other ways. I think we're making it look better too. Our original design looked too close to some other designs. Okay. And, uh, so, so we're coming out with, uh, you know, Stone 2.0 is what I would call it, probably in three months' time right now. Okay. One thing I really noticed, um, your price point, very, very affordable for, for a quality product. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to find a real fully machined disc drag lifetime warranty that uh, is selling at 189 and that's what we're selling our reel for. We're really trying to as much as possible. We're getting a lot of great feedback from dealers. We want to work with dealers. We don't want to be just an online company because a lot of the dealers that I'm talking to now, they're getting hurt by guys who are just online. Uh, they're getting hurt by a lot of, you know, cheap inferior reels, frankly. And that's a reel that they can sell a lot of and they don't have a reel in that price point. We're not trying to compete with any of the USA-made brands. Those are fantastic reels. But we're trying to give people an option in that sub-$200 price range for a really good reel uh, that that somebody's going to stand behind. Would you guys agree that that's kind of the sweet spot in the market too? Because there there are a lot of you know inexpensive reels, and then there's some that you can go you know sky's the limit. That's that sounds like a pretty a smart place to target. You got a lot of cheap stuff out there. You got a lot of beautiful high end stuff out there. And for somebody who's just getting into it, who wants a decent reel, you know, realistically, they're not going to drop five or six hundred dollars on a reel, and they don't want it. You wouldn't want them to you know, buy a $50 reel either. So, so we're hoping this is a good sweet spot. We've, we've been super encouraged by, uh, what dealerships have been telling us, what people have been telling us. So we, we, we think we've got something here, Mark. It's pretty cool that you, uh, I mean, you're getting that reel into some, some pretty good hands. I actually had Nick Delvecchio on the show and I know I can guarantee you that guy's putting that through a workout. <laughs> yep. Real good guy. Got a lot of good things to say about Nick, Nick there. And, uh, he, he's helped us out a lot with his feedback. You know, the other thing, Mark, is I was just going to say, like, you know, George and I have been, we've known each other for a long time. And, and you know, 
I wouldn't exactly say that we're like bootstrap bootstrap uh, anglers, but like, you know, if if I'm if I'm faced with the choice of of spending six seven hundred dollars on a reel or you know two hundred dollars in a reel and then and then having four hundred dollars for a plane ticket to go somewhere where I can use that reel, um, to me that's a no brainer. So I think um, I think you're right. I think we I think we're we're trying to hit that point in the in the in the price point where you know and people want to have experiences and and I always tell people you know spend your money on experiences. Don't spend your money on gear. Mm-hmm. I think I think it's really an intelligent move too to have it available at retail because let's face it, as much as someone can see it online, they get an idea for what you guys are about. Sometimes it's nice to put it in your hand too. Definitely, yeah, absolutely. And uh, you can buy, you know, you can buy cheap reels online, but nobody's going to be there for you, you know. Uh, and I also think it's important to give dealerships reels where they can make some money on. Because let's face it, dealerships and guides, these are the people who are keeping the sport going and making sure that fly fishing is going to be something that we love in the future. Uh, they're the guys who are teaching people how to fly fish, teaching people how to tie flies, getting people hooked on it. And so, I, I, you know, when, I go, when we go to the dealers and we say, hey, we're trying to find a way to give you guys good margins, great product, you know, something where... You know, you don't sell a lot of reels in this price point. They say, ah, oh, it's fantastic because there's a lot of guys who want a reel in that price point. We're chatting today with George Rogers and Kurt Budliger out of Stone Reels, out of Vermont. Uh, guys, we'll get back to the reels in, in just a moment. But for, first off, I'm curious, if somebody wants to have a look at, at your products, what's the best way to do that right now? Is that is that an online? Um, maybe throw your website out there for us. Yeah, go online, go to stonereels.com, and that'll give you a look at our reels. That'll give you a, your best look. We're in a handful of dealerships right now, but odds are you're not going to be close to one of those dealerships because currently we're in about three dealerships. What states are you in right now, or, or maybe name, you want to name the shops? Go right ahead. If you... We've got, we're in Virginia. Okay. We're going to be in Oklahoma City, a fly shop that's going to be opening there in the summer. Uh, uh, give a shout out to Tail Tellers Fly Shop in Virginia. Uh, he has opened uh, just recently, last couple months, a fly shop there, and, and they're doing great things down there. And out in Michigan, and uh, in, in here in the uh, in the northern New York and the Adirondacks. So th- that's where we are right now. So if you're not close, go online, go to StoneReels.com, check us out. Absolutely. I want to get back into kind of when you guys kind of started this business. So I'm curious, let's start with you, George. Is there somebody that's kind of influenced you in your business uh, savvy or just in getting things going with the company? Well, I'll, I'll tell you. I would say, you know, I've got a lot of energy. I'm interested in starting new things. And I, I was talking to Kurt the other day and I said, you know, I've seen, I've had so many interesting ideas that I haven't acted upon. Let's, let's go ahead and do this. I'm at the point now where I'm halfway through my career. I'm a science teacher and I'm looking ahead and I'm thinking, Hey, you know, if, if everything goes well, I might have 40 or 50 more years here. I don't know. I want to make sure <laughs> that I've got something right. That's the goal. Anyway, I don't know if that's realistic, but I want to go ahead and have something interesting to do that keeps my mind occupied. Um, my brothers are both engineers. I've always looked at what they do, and I've been a little envious because I teach 13-year-olds all day long, and so <laughs> I have a good time with them. 
but I'm not necessarily always mentally challenged. So the idea of coming up with a business, coming up with a line of products, uh, designing stuff, it's always been very interesting to me, although I don't have a, necessarily a lot of experience in that. You can't just really point to any one person and say, you know, boy, mm-hmm. that person stepped on this path. What about yourself, Kurt? Anybody that's kind of uh, influenced your path, uh, jumping into business here with Stone? Uh, you know, so I, I think um, for me, business is, is sort of a, I don't even, I don't even know how to describe it. it. It's, it's almost like a, it's almost an afterthought in the sense that like, I, you know, George and I both, you know, we alluded to this camp that we worked at together and we were both into environmental education and, and, you know, my undergraduate degree is in natural resources and spent a number of years as an outdoor educator and environmental educator. And then went back to school and, you know, like George, I, I taught science, although, you know, George stuck with it longer than me. And, um, you know, I like to call myself a, a reformed, uh, middle school science teacher. I'm also a photographer. Yeah. Um, you know, so, so for me, it's funny because if you would have asked me, you know, a couple of years ago, if I would, you know, what do you, what do you have in mind as a business person? I would have said nothing because, for the most part, I'm not really a business guy. Like I'm a, I'm a creative guy. I'm an experiential guy. Um, you know, I lo- I live my life outdoors, uh, whether it's fishing or hiking or biking or skiing or, or, you know, as a photographer. Um, so I don't have any, you know, I guess, uh, I guess if I had an inspiration business wise, um, and this is a lofty inspiration, it would be, you know, Yvonne Chouinard and I'm, I'm not even, going to begin to like try to draw comparisons but if if i feel like if you're going to be in business and you're going to and you then you need to do it in the most ethical possible way and so you know i i have a lot of respect for uh sort of what he's brought to business uh with regard especially where where it intersects with the outdoor recreation um so you know I guess Yvonne Chouinard is my, my inspiration, but, um, for the most part, I want to play. I'm a guy who likes to play. And so, um, I'm kind of into this, this real business because, you know, I love to fly fish and I, I love design and, and I feel like this is, this is something that's going to move my, uh, I guess, move my fishing forward. I think it's pretty cool too, when you can, get to be creative and to see to build something from the ground up that's a very very satisfying process i would imagine oh absolutely yeah we've had a great time with this last round of reels and i will say kurt's selling himself short when he's saying he's not a business person because he he had the, the guts to leave a regular paycheck and go out and become, and Kurt's a heck of a photographer. He's not going to tell you that, but go to KurtBudliger.com and look at some of Kurt's photos. He's done a fantastic job of setting up a creative, interesting, cool business. So don't, don't let him tell you he's not a businessman. He's, he's a creative person first, but he certainly knows what he's doing. At this point in the show, I usually kind of ask uh, if you guys have any crazy fishing stories. But now I'm thinking we got two good friends that are also business partners that spend a lot of time on the water. Maybe we can kind of weave this web into one. Have you guys had any weird or wonderful things happen on your trips? 
absolutely. I, Kurt, I, why don't you take I, it away? No. There's a million things. No, there's too many, actually. Starting with the <laughs> fact that, like, on George's wedding day, didn't we throw your? Didn't we throw Denise in the pond? No, we almost did, That's right? <laughs> yeah. No. So one of my favorite fishing stories actually was up in Alaska, and uh, George and I were fishing. Uh, which fork of the chili? And, and I, I, I foul hooked a big king salmon, and the thing took me way downstream, and I wound up having to having to break it off. And when I went to break it off, like it wasn't breaking off. And so all of a sudden I get into my backing and I'm like, holy crap. And the backing blows up. I lose the line. Fish is gone. And so fast forward, like maybe three or four hours, we're, we're like way downstream and we're fishing. And all of a sudden I, I you know, I think I, I got a fish on and I'm like, oh, this isn't a fish. This is kind of weird. And then when I, when I lift the rod tip and I, I get the fly out of the water, I see that it's hooked on my line. And I'm like, holy cow, this is my line from, you know, three hours ago. <laughs> so George comes running over with a, you know, stick or a branch or whatever. And we start wrapping the line around the branch and we come tight to the fish. And it's like, yep, there's the fish. We wind up hauling this fish in. And yeah, sure enough, it's the king salmon. It's foul hooked in the dorsal fin. So we release it or whatever. I get my line back, which is awesome. And uh, yeah, that was just one of my favorite kind of, you know, goofy things. And then actually fast forward from there, like maybe three days later, we're back on the same stretch of river fishing. And George's wife, Denise, winds up hooking a fish and having to break it off loses the line almost exactly the same way that I do, except I wind up, I'm a little bit downstream of her and I see the line coming through the water and just sprint out into the river with a, with a stick and just start wrapping the line around the stick and boom, get the fish. And that day we didn't lose the line. Anyway, <laughs> kind of funny. Crazy. That's crazy. Same hole. <laughs> That's a good story. But the best part of that story is, while Kurt's spending all this time frogging around, getting his, getting a new reel out, I'm catching all sorts of fabulous kings. It was, it was fantastic. <laughs> he doesn't remember that because it's too painful. <laughs> no, it's too painful because I had to bomb some some cheesy reel off of you with a different line. Absolutely. Was that the motivation for the new reel company? <laughs> that that would do it right there. Well, when you say you're wrapping your line rapidly around a stick, I'm thinking there's got to be a better way to do this. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, That's no. Like... So here's the thing. You don't want to be holding on to a bunch of fly line when you come tight to a 30-pound king salmon in a pretty tough river. Oh, yeah. Because that's going to that's gonna eat you up quick. A little line burn in your hand, too, I would imagine. Oh, yeah. yeah. Big time. What about you, George? Anything, anything crazy? Yeah. Another story I would tell. Yeah, on that same trip, same, uh, I don't know, maybe it was later that week or something. We did, we, you know, listen, we were teachers, so we had time to fish in the summer, and so we fished pretty hard. So later that week, fishing a little brushy stream, full of big rainbows, it's full of big kings. It's just, it's everything you've ever dreamed of. And everybody, Kurt and I, are just so focused on the fish, hook into a big king. And then the party just stops. You know when you're 
having just a fantastic time. And then all of a sudden, something horrible happens. So I look behind me, and there's a bear, a big grizzly, standing right behind me looking at the fish that's on my line. We had, we, we bring pepper spray. We bring a shotgun usually, but of course the bear is standing over the shotgun. And my pepper spray is not handy. Well, we break the fish off. You know, we see bears up there enough that usually we play it pretty cool, but we're, you know, we're respectful of, uh, you know, five or 600 pound grizzly. But the bear, instead of going for the fish and fishing in the pool as we back out of there, goes for us. This was, this was a little nerve wracking. So Kurt and I got pushed across the stream that day. We had to climb up a cliff. We made it. We, we, we got away from the bear, but I don't think we landed a single fish. And it was a stream full of gorgeous rainbows and gorgeous kings. That, that was, that was, uh, that was nerve wracking. And, uh, I will say that was the happiest moment I've ever uh, had where I had to leave a gorgeous spot behind because, uh, we made it out of there somehow. That was a rough one. You didn't try and trip Kurt up on the way for bait, did you? No, that was, that, so that was, a, that was a rough one. Cause, cause I remember that. And I remember getting to a point where, cause George lived up there at that point and, uh, I was just visiting and we, we, you know, this bear is very curious and, so as we're sort of fleeing the bear, George, at one point we're in the river and he's like, we have to stop. And I'm like, stop. That's, that's insane. Like, I don't want to stop. You know, we have to stop. We have to hold our ground. We have to look really big. And so we're standing in the middle of the river and, you know, George is six, two, I'm six, one. We're both standing there. we got our arms up. We're yelling at this bear. And, uh, the next thing I know, we, we moved the rest of the way across the river and we're standing kind of behind this, this snag that's, that's, falling down into the river and uh we don't have the shotgun and i look over at george and he's got his pepper spray out and i'm thinking really we're actually this is we're this is this is what it's come to we're like actually at this point where we're gonna like spray this bear and uh fortunately we didn't we just kind of beelined it up this this berm and and uh you know got back to the truck and it's funny because we got back to the truck and we're both you know you know just adrenaline's pumping or, you know, we're, we're breathing super hard and we get in the truck and George, as he often does, he very calmly looks at me and he says, well, that river's going on the shotgun list. And I said, shotgun list? What are you talking about? He said, well, the list of rivers I'll never fish again without a shotgun. I said, well, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) That's good stuff, guys. Really. Um, bit of a philosophical question and I'll, I'll throw this to you first, George. Um, if there was something you could change about fly fishing, is there anything that comes to mind that you'd like to see us do in the sport maybe a little differently? Absolutely. Here's what I'd love. As a teacher, I would love it if everybody who fly fishes or is part of a local TU club or whatever would reach out to teachers, reach out to kids, go out and, and teach one kid to fly fish this summer. Hmm. And, that, and that's it. That's a, it's as simple as that. I have kids in my class who hey, they don't have dads or they don't have the means or they don't have, you know, they don't even have the option to fly fish and they would love to go out and fly fish. I've been, uh, you know, as a teacher thinking a lot about the fact that our kids don't get outside as much as they used to. Specifically, they don't get out in nature as much as they used to. And, you know, nature, 
it's pretty important because if we don't have kids who love the sports, it's going to be in jeopardy. Mm. So go out there. One thing I can tell people to do, find a kid, any kid, teach them how to fly fish. They'll love you for it. Yeah, that's good stuff. And that's the future of the sports, the future of conservation. It comes up a lot. That's that's a really good one. What about yourself, Kurt? Anything you'd like to see change in, in fly fishing? Well, maybe two things. I mean, uh, I'm going to piggyback on uh, uh, what George said because he and I have both been in education for a really long time. And, and here in Vermont, I've been super active with my local TU group, and we actually have a camp uh, that we've been running every uh, June, last week in June, up in the Northeast Kingdom in Vermont, a fly fishing camp uh, through Trout Unlimited, uh, com. We're going to have our ninth year. So teaching kids to fly fish is hugely important and getting them outside is, is enormously important. Um, and then, you know, the other thing, which is, it's almost like a, a corollary to that is that, you know, if I could change one thing, and this is sort of true for me as a photographer too, like I, uh, the other part of my business is leading nature and, uh, landscape photography workshops around various parts of the United States and abroad. But, um, you know, the whole social media aspect of, of, of outdoor recreation in general and, and, you know, specifically fly fishing too. I don't know, man. It's like, it's, I feel like it's gotten a little toxic. It's gotten a little weird. It's gotten, you know, super competitive and, and it's more about like, it's not about actually like going out and, 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 you know, experiencing the outdoors and understanding the nuances of the ecosystem and the seasonality of what's going on and, and just being part of it for the day. It's like, I'm going to go out and I'm going to, I'm going to crush as many PBRs as I can. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to post, you know, my shot of like my big trout or whatever hashtag, you know, bull trout Montana or whatever. And, uh, I just, I just don't think that that's the ethos that really we should be promoting in the sport. So I think kind of a, Hey, let's go out and fish and maybe not post anything about what we're doing. Like, let's just actually go out and experience nature and feel that, you know, the healing, the healing aspects of it and, and enjoy time with, with friends and not be so focused on, you know, the, the sharing aspect of it. And I use that in, you know, air quotes with a whole lot of sarcasm. Yeah, I, I I totally get what you're saying. That's that's a good point because I, I think a lot. Of, I mean, that it, it starts a lot for me too with that grip and grin thing. I mean, I get everybody wants that pick. Yeah, it is. But it's like you know, it's just as pretty to look at at the river that you're fishing, or or yeah, I know what you mean. It's all about it's in the details, isn't it? Yeah, you know, like I yeah. think it's it's entirely possible to go out and have an amazing day fishing with a really good friend, and you know, and not tell anyone else about it it's you know it doesn't it's still a great it's still a great day of fishing if it's not on instagram did it ever happen <laughs> that's my point that's probably i'll be honest with you that's one of my biggest sources right now just for for i mean it's it's a great business tool too it's something that wasn't available no i that's the thing yeah it's the catch you're in it you're it's listen man like I, totally i hear you and you know as far as marketing photography workshops and tours that's you know, that's the other part of my business. That's social media is huge, but I'm finding it to be, you know, less and less fulfilling from a personal standpoint. And 
I don't think that it's, I don't think that the outcomes are great for the environment, right? I mean, there's all, you know, there's all kinds of examples of like places and things that are going on in the environment where people are like, oh, you know, this is the, this is the place to go and hashtag this, that, or the other thing. And then 50 million people show up there and then it just gets ruined. Well, that's one thing I hear a lot of, a lot of people talking about is doing the research, doing the homework on the spot. Well, it used to be, there's only one way to do that. And that was basically spend the time and hit the water and find that spot. But uh, if you do enough homework now, you can uh, usually figure it out can't you yeah if i would have one message one message for all anglers out there disable the gps on your pick on your camera and your phone so that when you post photos i can't download the metadata and find out exactly where your hunting hole is yeah yeah that's a good one so guys got a little bit of the background on kind of your fishing a couple great stories i'm i'm curious what 2019 holds for stone reels uh what do you guys see happening this year what's your what's your year looking like oh we're really excited about this uh new redesign that's going to be coming out in a few months things are going well there we're also dabbling with this idea of coming out with a vermont made reel which we're we're very excited about just in manufacturing in general what's kind of exciting is the whole cnc revolution where you know People can, you know, we're going to be able to de- design a, a reel. We're going to be able to 3D print it out. And then we're going to be able to, you know, hopefully uh, print it out at a regular CNC facility. 20 years ago, there's no way you would have been able to, to even think about producing a reel. In Vermont. So we're, we're considering that. Uh, we think uh, we can we can hit a pretty good price point, too. So that's uh, that's kind of our research and development for this next year is coming up with a Vermont rate made real. We've got some ideas in the hopper, and we've got uh, some uh, some cool designs uh, that uh, nobody has seen. Kurt's very good at spotting designs that look good. Uh, we're working with my brother's engineering company, and he's uh, fantastic at drawing designs and cranking out possibilities. So uh, will Vermont made real happen in this next year. I hope so. That's kind of uh, where we're heading next after we fully perfect our initial line of reels. Right on. So currently, look you guys up online at uh, stonereels.com. And then as far as uh, you say, you're, you're obviously in a few shops we named uh, earlier in the program. Uh, do you look at expanding that retail opportunities across uh, North America? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Cool. So if somebody's interested in carrying your reels, has a fly shop, they can get a hold of you too? Yeah, uh, yeah. get in touch with us for sure. We can send you out a reel and you can check it out and uh, and uh, see what you think. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. The quality is, is everybody that I've put this re- in. A, and I, you know, I've been active in TU for a long time and I, I fish with not only George, but like, you know, a ton of guys over here in Vermont and, some, some people who are, you know, pretty hardcore guides and spend a ton of time on the water. And everyone that I put this reel in, in, you know, I put this reel in their hands. They're always like, Oh my God, this reel is amazing. Like this, you know, it's super smooth. The it's precision engineering. Um, it's just, a, it's a really, really great reel. It's, you'd be hard pressed to get a better reel at this price point. 
That's well said. And, you know, I think when you get a couple of really good friends, a couple of really passionate fly fishers together, I don't see how you can go wrong. And I wish you guys a lot of luck. I really appreciate you taking the time, and thanks so much for coming on tonight. Hey, Mark, we really appreciate it. Thank you. That's George Rogers and Kurt Budliger of Stone Reels out of Vermont. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by theflycrate.com. Thank you for listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Your feedback matters. Let us know if there's a person or topic you'd like discussed. Email us at mark at flyfishing97.com. Until next time, tight lines and we'll see you on the water. Mm -hmm.